As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to the Metrospective, the athletics podcast about the New York Mets. I'm Tim Britton. I am not joined today by my co-host Ted Berg. Ted uh, is out this week, uh, so in his place, uh, and rather than than bantering about uh, a weekend series win over the Marlins that ended somewhat anticlimactically on Sunday, uh, we're going to look a couple weeks and, and maybe even a couple years into the future uh, with Mets Director of Amateur Scouting Mark Tremuda. Uh, Mark was kind enough to join me for about a half hour on Monday afternoon just about three weeks out uh, from the 2022 Major League Baseball draft. Uh, We talked about how the process for scouting for the draft uh, is different now than it was pre-pandemic and and how it's it's getting closer to being normal uh, after the last two years, uh, how the timing of the draft in late July rather than in early June changes strategy, and how things are different under a new ownership uh, under Steve Cohen uh, and the resources available to the scouting department. Uh, So it was a fun conversation. I hope you enjoy it and I'll get you on the other side. You know, let, let's start with the last couple of years have been very strange to draft, right? You know, the 2020 draft, you have five rounds. Uh, you don't have a spring season to prep with. The 2021 draft, it's back to 20 rounds, but you don't have, you still have less data on players, less looks on players because of the lack of, of action in 2020. For 2022, how close to normal is this? How close to the pre-pandemic draft process is this for you? I, I think it's back to normal because we had... We obviously had a full summer, fall, and full spring to scout these guys. So it's, it's kind of back to 2019 to where you feel more comfortable. I, yeah, like you mentioned, 2020 was just odd. Only a month a month or so to, to scout those players. And then 2021, we were essentially a lot of us were taken off the road in the summer of 2020. So you didn't get to that database of at-bats and innings and so th- this is much, much, uh, much more closer to normal, if not just like the past. So r- really, no, really back to what we were in 2019. We talked, I did, I did a story a couple of years ago on, on kind of how you had to change your process ahead of, I, th- I think it was the 2020 draft that year. And you talked about the, the amount of video scouting you w- work you guys did, uh, all of the, the Zoom meetings you did instead of in-person things. Uh, how, how much of that, if any, of it has stuck around in your process now? How, how much did you take from those years that you still use now? Definitely the video 
nowadays helps a lot. It supplements your in-person looks. I think it was just a little bit of an uncomfortable feeling back in 2020 because we had never scouted solely on video. So, you know, we're so used to being in person, getting one, two, or three looks at those players. But I, I go back and watch a lot of video. I think the one advantage to having the draft later is that you get to go back and look at video of players that maybe you didn't get to see, that I didn't get to see, or just players that you want to go back and look at several more games. And we've we've learned how to use that that system that everybody has now called Synergy that's in most of the Division One ballparks. And and uh, you get to go back and, and look at a center field view. So it gives you different angles. Like, you know, we watch, it's funny because when you're in person, most of the time you're, you're watching from the side or you're watching from behind the plate. And when you're watching games on TV, it's always the center field angle. So you're almost you're almost as used to watching that over the years and say, and looking at players from that aspect. So watching it on synergy now from the center field view just gives you that additional angle and additional feel for your evaluation. So I I, I like having the video. We do a lot of it um, as we go back and look and we look at the players. How how much are you in person in meetings with the entire scouting department now? I know you know the, the past couple of years you had to do a lot remotely, a lot on Zoom. Are you you know is the draft room going to be centrally located with everyone in the same room the way it had been in the past? Yes, we'll we'll go down. We did last year as well. We brought everybody in for the draft last year. We'll do the same this year. We we just had meetings with the front office and just cross checkers two weeks ago out in California prior to the Major League Baseball Combine. And then this past week, we did Zoom calls with the area scouts to go over a lot of their players. So we'll do that. That's That we can do. I think Zoom has helped where you don't need to take some days additionally to fly somewhere and you can get them done. And it's just a little cleaner when you're doing it on Zoom as far as trying to get everybody to one spot on time and travel. But it is nice to meet as a group and you know we just zoom zoom makes it a little easier in certain instances but yeah we will definitely um we're planning on making uh the draft room everybody will come down this year like we have in the past you mentioned that the timing of the draft is different now than it used to be i think in, in 2019 we would have had the draft three weeks ago and now you've got an additional three weeks before it happens three weeks after the you know the college world series ended on sunday um in other sports that dynamic has existed for a while and it, it's always struck me it's funny like the nfl draft you've got three months basically since the end of the college football season and guys get a lot better or worse in that span without playing a game uh like how do you handle this period of time now uh that you haven't had as much in the past and, and you mentioned the video scout how do you manage that to kind of get more informed about players without losing sight of what they actually look like on the field? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a good chance to go back and kind of reflect on what you saw, what I saw, what everybody else saw, and talk about those players, put the video up, put the data up. And it just gives you more time. I think, you know, you look at this in years past, this will be my 26th draft. And sometimes you almost feel rushed because you have the conference tournaments in May and then a week later, sometimes you'd have the draft as early as June 4th or 5th, or they moved it to June 10th, 12th, one year. And sometimes it just feels a little bit rushed. There's not, there's not that time to sit back and look at your reports, look at the data, go through and have meetings um, and have a time frame to where there's just more, there's an advantage of having that lag time to just go back and look at more information and not, not feel so rushed as and the other sports have that advantage too, like you said, you mentioned the NFL and, and other sports where there's that time in between. So I, I like it. It is still a little bit of a bizarre world 
and getting used to it because tomorrow I'm flying to the USA Baseball Complex in Cary to go watch 2023s. <laughs> so I, I'm going to go watch the top 100 high school prospects and the Team USA collegiate team, but they're all 2023s. And I'm going to do that before I even go in, go to Port St. Lucie for this draft. So it's it's taken some some time to figure out all of the scheduling. You know, now you have the combine in June. You have players that are now trying to set up set up some of their pro days even after the combine to where they're going to work out individually. Uh, so that's that's taken some time to how do we want to schedule this? Because now you also have the Major League Draft League. That starts the end of May. So there's so many more things to take into consideration as to how you want to plan. And that's why this year we we wanted to meet in June. Last year we didn't meet until the first week of July, but then we ended up missing some events for 2023 that you really can't miss. So this year we wanted to do it earlier. Now we have a month lag time and we can go back and meet again or we can meet on Zoom. So I think all I like part of it being later. And then there's times where it kind of plays around with your summer schedule and it gets a little tricky. You know, what can you glean from the extra looks you get from, you know, college guys who are playing in the College World Series, from people at the Combine? Uh, you mentioned the Draft League. Like, Are those extra looks at players in, the la- in, in June valuable to you in a, in a way you, you maybe didn't expect? I think they are, but I, I try to be careful to weight them too much or if you see a player that doesn't necessarily perform that well, don't downgrade that player. It's, it'd be similar to back in the old days where you'd have, and teams still do and we still do, have pre-draft workouts. So let's say this is pre-combine. So you'd bring players into your complex or your major league stadium before the draft. And I've seen many players not perform well in those workouts and they're first rounders and they're really good big leaguers. So you just you try to take it a little bit with a grain of salt. I think the the advantage to what they do now with the combine is is we get to meet with players one on one, which I thought was very valuable. The area scouts do a great job. I get on Zoom calls with a lot of the top players in the winter time and before the season starts. And it just gives you a chance to when you meet with them one on one, you get to see them physically, you get to see how they react to certain questions. Um, and it was a little bit of speed dating because you got 25, 30 minutes per player, but it really, it gave you a feel for the player that you didn't maybe have in the past, which, which I really like. I think that was the best thing that I took from the combine was the ability to meet with certain players one-on-one, but I, I try not to wait those last looks in terms of in a workout setting too much. You did. Did you ever feel like you ran into that problem when the draft was right after the conference tournaments that maybe those last looks were uh, carried maybe too much weight? Yeah, I think I think you want to be careful for to have too much recency bias. Um, we we built this database from last summer on these players, and then you're getting so many looks from the area guys to the regional guys to the national guys to Tommy and I seeing those players, and we and then you then you have four months or a year's worth of of analytics and data. And the track man data and so on. So you want that that tells the whole picture. I I, I don't think we ever draft uh, somebody real high based off one look. And you're going to get different looks at these players. It's always going to happen. Even the best players in the draft are going to have games where they struggle or don't perform well. So it's a body of work. It's a body of the, the history that you collect. It's it's not a one week or one day draft. It's a 12 month draft. And I think the best decisions are made when you stick to that. 
One thing that's different from 2019 for you as an organization is you have a new owner in Steve Cohen. Uh, what, what kind of resources are available to you as a, a, a scouting department now that maybe you didn't have three years ago? I think just any anything, honestly, anything that we've asked for, and, and obviously it's within reason. We're not, we're not getting stuff that you don't necessarily <laughs> need, but he, he's given us everything that we needed. Um, anything from a financial standpoint, um, it's it's he's just been great. I think I think our front office guys would say the same thing. Um, we've built up our analytics department. He's allowed us to add a couple of different positions in the scouting department. Uh, I, I couldn't ask for anything more. I think he's he, he's been tremendous. Um, I know that Tommy Tanis and I know that, you know Billy Epler and Sandy talked to him a lot about the draft. He's been interested in that, asked really good questions. Um, so I I've been really really happy with how how this has progressed uh, since he's taken over we were very very pleased yeah i mean he, he's mentioned that he wants to be kind of a, a scouting and player development organization in addition to whatever he can do in free agency what's that like to hear as a scouting department oh great great i, I think that when when the two departments and, and a lot of us here have been doing this a long time tommy and i have been doing this two mm-hmm. recent years we've, we've been in places where there's been this disconnect between scouting and development and i and i don't think that's the case here i'm really encouraged you know we've had turnover in player development in the last four or five Mm -hmm. years obviously the the front office uh turnover as well so i think the continuity is just starting to take place now i'm really encouraged with how player development has has been innovative and creative and, and and i'm on a lot of a lot of slack messages with them and I see what they're doing with our players I, I really have a positive outlook I think the two departments are really working well together the communication is outstanding Kevin Howard and his staff and Kevin Walsh who handles all the administrative stuff for player development it's really been uh, nice to have that communication and, and the two groups working together which I think is essential for a successful organization. Along those same lines, what's the interaction and interplay been like with with a, a bigger analytics department for you guys? Well, Ben Zosmer leads that. He's he's tremendous. Uh, Des McGowan is his right hand man. He works a lot with us in the draft, and that's that can be something if you if you go backwards ten years, where when this first started with when the analytics kind of got into the draft there was there could be friction between two departments i don't mean with us but i mean possibly with other clubs when you hear that that really is just not the case you know ben ben and i joked last year that he thought i looked at the analytics too much and he, he listened to the scouts too much so we we kind of laughed about that but it's just taking all the information i think i think that word analytics sometimes people don't understand that it's just information it's just more it's just data it's information that you put into your process to make the best available decisions i mean anything in life that you are making a large investment in you certainly want to have all the information from all different angles to make the best decisions and i'm a little bit of a numbers rat and i I like that stuff and, and want to use it and want that information and those guys are those guys are just their personalities their demeanor and how they present it is just it's so good and all of our guys we're all we're all a tight group and we ask them questions and may disagree and they ask questions and we may disagree but there's just one goal in mind and that's to draft the best players looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, I was listening to a podcast you'd done earlier this year with uh, Metsmerized, and you had said something along the lines of, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but l- the most dangerous scout is one who who knows the analytics as well, in addition to what he can do with his eyes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, how, how when you look at the landscape of who your scouts are, how much more well versed are they in analytical stuff than they would have been ten years ago? Oh, very. We we do we have meetings every January with the entire amateur staff, and we make it a point. It's almost like an analytics. Trackman data class that we have. So one of our scouts, John Hendricks, was the pitching coach of Wake Forest. Right, yeah. they're, they're very well known for their pitching lab. And, and John will tell you that he's that he's learned so much from that when he at his time at Wake Forest that he's extremely well versed. We have other scouts on our staff that are well versed in it. And and the most important thing is that we have many guys that are eager eager to learn that that. Uh, that part of the game now. And that's what I meant by it, you, the most dangerous scout in a good way is if you're a good evaluator based on the scouting aspect, the tools and the, the, where players go in the draft, but you also know how to read that data. Now you become a weapon. And I think that's where you have to evolve and adapt with how the game is changing. It's I don't scout the same way I did 20 years ago. I don't scout the same way I did 10 years ago. I've learned. And, and the, the flip side to that is, The analysts that we have, they'll go out, they ask me to go out and watch games with our scouts so that they understand that aspect. So that's what I mean about working together. They want to learn what we do. We want to learn what they do. And again, I think that's how you create a sustainable, successful organization. In general, I think you'll always say that the the draft strategy uh, for a baseball team is best player available at each pick, essentially. Uh, How much does the landscape of where your organization is, you know, that the Mets are in a win-now position, pretty much. Uh, A lot of your recent first-round picks are not in the organization because of trades uh, for various reasons. Does the landscape of that organization ever change that strategy? Do you ever say, you know what, we want to take the best player available, but we could really use this in our organization? Um. Yeah, that's the boring answer, I guess, the cliche is the best player available. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, there's so many different ways to go, especially with the, the volume of picks that we have this year in the top 100. But I think if you stay disciplined to what you've done in previous years and had success with, that's the best way to go. I've had the good fortune of being in rooms, four of them to be exact in my career, where we had we had five, six, seven picks in the top 100. And I know, having had that experience, when we were successful and when, for lack of a better word, made mistakes or the process broke down. And I want to lean on that experience in this draft to just stay disciplined to what we've been good at, 
um, not go off the rails too much uh, and, and, and go a different direction. Um, but again, yeah, I think it's, I don't think, you know, last year we took 12 pitchers in the top, you know, in the 20 rounds. Other times we've taken, we've been position player hitter heavy. I think it's, it also depends a lot on what the draft gives you and what's there at the time of your pick. I mean, that's just, I don't think you go in with any one strict strategy because the draft has ebbs and flows and you just have to be able to adjust. But again, the discipline that you, that you use in the draft based on previous years is what I think would, would make a successful draft. Yeah, you, you mentioned on that Metsmerized podcast, those three years in Toronto in particular, I think it was 2010 through 2012, yeah. where, where the Blue Jays had just a ton of picks in the first three rounds. You know, it was, it was nine in the top 110 one of those years, I think. And you got some, some really good players out of that, you know, Marcus Stroman and, and Noah Syndergaard and some guys who were used in big trades for those playoff teams in Toronto. But, but what kind of lessons did you take away from being in, in the room those years? Well, I think I think the one thing, and, I, and again, I was in the room, so if I say a mistake, you can blame me too. I think it was just getting away sometimes of trying to do a lottery ticket player maybe, and you go, well, we have all these picks. Can we go ahead and take a chance? And maybe, maybe that was a little bit of a breakdown in the process. But in terms of setting up the board, you get a, when you have that many picks, you get a little clearer picture um, of who might you get. Or you can put players in a spot where you're like, I'm just going to take this player. Maybe you take them, you know, maybe you take that player around early because you can't, because mm-hmm. you're not waiting to only one pick per round. But I, again, I think I, I go back to the lessons of just staying disciplined to how you would pick if you only had one pick per round. And yes, you have the extra picks, but again, stay stick to what you've been good at, stick to what you think can be, can our system develops well, and just just not go too far off of that direction um you know again it's nice to have those picks and but you just you know take take what take what the draft gives you but also you can because you have all those picks you can take what you want a little bit sooner maybe sometimes but again just staying disciplined to to what you're good at you've got you know obviously pick 11 and pick 14 in the first round i think it's five in the top 90 for you this year uh you know just we mentioned that the landscape of what your minor league organization looks like right now. Just how important is this draft for the Mets? I, I said it on that, that previous podcast. I won't shy away from it. I think this draft is one of the most important ones in franchise history. When you have this many picks, we probably won't have this many picks going forward. We, we probably, hopefully, will not be picking this high in years to come, which, which means we're winning or we're winning World Series or we're going World Series. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's extremely important. I don't... I don't think it's – I don't feel – and our staff doesn't necessarily feel any additional pressure. I think you're just picking. Um, I think it's like – like I almost uh, characterize it to like an NFL play caller in a pressure situation. You're just calling plays. It doesn't matter the situation. You just keep calling plays and you just keep making picks. But we're fully aware that, yes, this is a, this is a more – every draft's important but because you have this volume of picks and you may not pick this high – for a while, uh, the importance of this draft is certainly high. I think for a lot of fans, you know, last year's draft is remembered largely for what happened with Kumar Rocker. But you've got some guys beyond that first round last year who are performing pretty well for you in the minor league so far this year. When you evaluate the 2021 draft for the Mets, what, what do you what do you take away from that? Well, I, I'm excited about some of the certainly some of the pitchers that have been off to really good starts. Uh, Calvin Ziegler, Mike Vassell, and 
Christian Scott and Dominic Hamels pitched really well lately. Keyshawn Askey was a great pick. Uh, I say great pick from what our scouts thought in, in the in the ninth round. Um, I, I, a couple guys late, like Nathan Lavender and Nick Zwack have pitched well. Those were day three picks. Uh, really happy with those pitching. Player development's done a great job with some of those and increasing some of their their pitch types or just enhancing some of the things that they did well. Uh, I, I'm really encouraged. I, I am. I'm not somebody that gets overly excited too quickly because having gone through this, you know, they got to be good at A ball. They got to be good at double A. They got to be good at triple A, and they got to be good at big leagues. So you, you know, but I'm, I'm very pleased with the with the progress that a lot of those guys have made, and I think some of those guys have ceiling. Even though they were college guys, I think there's ceiling left uh, to those guys. They've already they've already picked it up from what they from when they were as draft picks last spring. So, you know, very happy. I hope we can just add to that and just create more depth in our system with this draft. Yeah, and you mentioned earlier kind of being disciplined with what the draft offers you at your pick. What does this draft offer, this this 2022 draft? Well, there'll still be players there. There always there'll be players. We'll get two players that we really like. Who knows what will happen in front of us. There's always surprises that happen. We just have to line it up and get that first, you know, so let's, let's say because we pick 14, 11 and 14 that say we're lining up 14 players we just have to make sure that we line those 14 up the way that we want it and take it as it comes i mean they'll they'll be you know there's always a couple of things that happen in front of you that you don't expect and we just have to be ready to adjust to that but again lining up our board is the priority in the way that we want it to be to be taken and you just let it you know you let it fall you will we'll know more it's just too early right now. We'll know more and get more information as the draft gets closer. But, you know, just, just making sure that we have it lined up the way we want it. Is there a point leading up to the draft where you feel like you have a little bit more comfort with what might happen in front of you? Yes. Yeah, I think, again, that's too early. I, I talk, you know, you talk to different uh, sometimes media members that you know or other scouting directors that I know. And, you know, you, but a lot of that stuff can be, Rumor right now is you know we're still a month away, but as you get closer and you start talking to agents, you do get a better feel. Um, you may throw out there, "Hey, do you think this guy is going to get to our pick?" And they'll just say no. Ninety percent of the time, they, they're right. They they know the, the landscape of the draft, but yeah. So I'd say a, a probably where you start to get some real information would be about a week before the draft. Yeah, this year there's some prominent pitchers I know in college baseball who haven't been able to pitch as much, who've been hurt, who've undergone Tommy John surgery. Uh, you you have experience with that as a department drafting JT Ginn just a couple of years ago when he was in that spot. What do you have to do as a, a scouting department to be comfortable taking someone who hasn't pitched much the season going into the draft? Well, JT, we had the advantage of seeing him a lot in high school. And then we saw his freshman year at Mississippi State, our scout, that had that area, Jeff Butler, uh, went to Mississippi State, knew JT again for years. So the comfort level with taking him was really high. Um, you know, you may not have that with every one of the injured pitchers this year. So we're going to go back and look at how they pitched their freshman year, their junior year, look at the data and all of that. Uh, use some different sources to make sure on their makeup. Uh, but, but truthfully, though, some of those guys are wild cards because they just simply haven't pitched this year or they've pitched very little. And also, you know, we're going to rely on, the, on, on our doctors and see what they think about the medicals. And we'll just go from there. I, I, you know, you don't have the information that you have on most pitchers, but that's just the way it is. And there is a high volume 
a volume of those guys this year. I uh, wouldn't rule any of them out. Um, you know, we'll just if, if, if we think that they're the best uh, pick at that point, you know, maybe we do it. Maybe not. But we'll we'll do everything we can in, to all the previous data that we have in them, whether it's off video or previous looks, uh, previous reports that we had on them from Cape Cod the year before, and just take all that into consideration. Yeah, you mentioned the history Jet had with, with JT before that pick. Is it is it harder this year? Because you're looking at, okay, if a, a pitcher has missed a lot of the 2022 season, he also might not have pitched a whole lot in 2020 either. Is it harder because there's just not as much history with, with some of those players? Uh, yeah, yeah, there is. I mean, um, again, sometimes some, some of them are riskier than others, and it's just how much you weigh that risk uh, based on previous looks. It's, you know, obviously there's a comfort factor when you see a, a uh, college pitcher throw 13, 14 times in a year as opposed to one or none. Uh, but, you know, again, you can sometimes teams will just take that risk. But it's, it's again, it goes back to how much history do you have and, and just weighing uh, that versus another player at that pick. So, again, uh, you know, each, each one is an individual case and we'll, and we'll just evaluate it in that, in that respect. And then we're, we're three weeks out from, from the draft right now. You, you mentioned you're going to see some, some 2023 prospects moving forward, but what are these final three weeks like for you and for, and for the, the scouting department, your area scouts and all them as a whole? So, right, we'll have, we'll have some more meetings um, after the first week of July with the area scouts to finish up uh, those guys. We'll, we're, Tommy and I talk just about every day. We bounce ideas off of each other. I'm in contact with the cross-checkers every day. We'll probably have another call with them. You know, then, then we'll, everybody will come in around July 12th to Port St. Lucie with the cross-checkers, and we'll go over once again our top board, and then we'll start getting into the, the later rounds to set those up. And So there, right now what I'm doing is, I, since we had our meetings a couple weeks ago, I'm going back and looking at a lot of players that I have not seen in person and look at those players on video just to get a little bit more familiar with them, reread reports, just trying to refresh my memory on players that maybe I haven't seen since February. So all of that, I, that's, that goes back again to, I like part of this, the draft is later only because I have more time to go back and look, but we'll, we'll start. So some guys right now are in the Cape looking at draft eligible players there. So that's good. We have guys in the draft league looking at draft eligible players there. Uh, but we'll just, we'll have some zoom calls leading up to when everybody comes in July 12th. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And then you, you've talked about, about Tommy Tanis, who, who runs the international and amateur scouting departments for the Mets. You two have worked together for a long time. What, what's the value you have with, with the familiarity between the two of you making those picks? And what, what kind of comfort level is there when, when you're in that draft room? Well, I feel like I've spent half of my life with him. <laughs> and we're, we're, very, we're very good friends. Uh, it's, a, it's a really good dynamic um, that he and I can have really straightforward conversations disagree with one another and it's never personal which is a very healthy relationship uh we bounce ideas off one another sometimes i agree sometimes i disagree and and he does the same but ultimately we we are sharing 
the same goal and same objectives. I mean, we, hey, he and I want to be here for the next decade. And we know that the only goal here and the only objective is to draft really good players and big leaders for the New York Mets. So, you know, we, we, we like a lot of the same things. And then he and I also are independent and, and like certain things. And, you know, there's no players high in the draft that we've taken in the second round that Tommy hasn't seen. And he's trusted me and vice versa. I trust him. I would trust him with a player in the first round that he didn't see. And he would do the same for me, even though that never happens. And both of us are always seeing those first round picks, but he, he's trusted me on, on several players in the past uh, and, and vice versa. So that dynamic there is, is really one that I, I appreciate very, very much that he has that trust in me and, and I trust him 100%. You, you want to give our listeners just a little heads up. Who are you picking at number 11? Well, yeah, I was, I was watching the, uh, it's funny, I was watching the NBA combine the other day and they had the GM of the Orlando Magic out there and he made a couple of jokes about the number one pick, but I can't tell you that. <laughs> so yeah, I, I wish, I don't even, I mean, again, I don't even know yet. There's, there's so many different ways and strategies that we can, that we can do here. I mean, sure, we have a, a group of players uh, that we really like and we'll line up accordingly, but it's just too soon right now. But I, I think we'll get, I think we'll get two good players that uh, everybody's happy with. And Orlando fooled everyone anyway, so so it works, yeah, exactly. works both ways. Exactly. No, th- thank you so much for joining joining me, Mark. It, it's been great that this is this is such a big draft for the Mets. Uh, it's great to hear some behind the scenes on the process. Well, I appreciate you, you asking me, and uh, I, I like I like doing this. It's uh, it's always it's an interesting thing to have this kind of conversation, especially this this unique draft that we have coming up. I'm, I know that uh, I'm excited. Tommy's excited, and everybody in the organization is excited for this draft. Yeah. Good luck the next couple weeks. Our thanks again to Mark for joining us. Uh, Ted will be back next week. We will still have a live show later in the week on Friday morning. Uh, that will be me trying to manage uh, all of your questions, but I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and we'll talk to you then. Adios. Adios.